Welcome to the Heroic Minds Podcast, where we uncover the heroic stories of individuals battling through adversity and rising to the top of professional sport, business, and life. Uncovering the characteristics, the secrets, the tactics to become the hero of your own story. Because it is adversity that maximizes human potential. Welcome back to the Heroic Minds Podcast. A little announcement before we get going here. The feedback from these episodes and from speaking opportunities has been incredible and people are continuing to share their stories with me about people in their life or maybe their own story. So I thought, you know, I can't have everyone, unfortunately, on the podcast as much as I'd like to. It would be awesome if we could share these stories another way. And as you know, I am learning as I go here with this whole thing. It's been an exciting journey, but I want to try something new now. I want to throw something at the wall, see what happens. So if you have a story about someone and you want to share it, whether it's on Twitter or Instagram, I encourage you to post a nice photo of them or take a video and share that story so that I can retweet it, so that I can share it on my social media as well. I would love to do that. I think it would just keep with this whole theme and it would get other stories out there and it would normalize other issues and encourage and inspire other people to to take that step into the adversity and be the hero of their own story. So that means anyone that has a story out there that they wanna share, someone that's changed their life and believes their story can change someone else's life, please share the story with text or video and tag me at Ben underscore Finelli underscore and use the hashtag Heroic Minds and I'll be able to find it and then I'll share it myself. So I encourage you to do that. All right, let's get to it. On today's episode, we have Angie Mozillo and we're talking about an absolutely crazy story, a story that is so tightly aligned with the hero's journey. It is unbelievable. There were so many messages in this episode that I listened to it edited the episode and then listened to it again because it was just so empowering. When Angie was 20 years old, pregnant with her first child, she found out that her husband murdered his father. Now fast forward to today, she's 25 years happily married with a new man as well as three incredible children. And the best part of the story, she went back to school and graduated the same day as one of her daughters. So it's and, and that's, that's basically the ending. That's the start and the finish. Now, what fills the middle is exactly the hero's journey. It's absolutely incredible. You may think, well, how could I ever relate to that? Or what, what is this? How's this conversation going to go? And the funny thing is through this entire podcast, the messages that come out are so, so relatable. A couple of the interesting lessons Angie had for me was, was this idea of strength versus endurance. And her opinion is that in life, endurance is actually more important than this idea of strength because sometimes strength doesn't matter. Sometimes you just have to back into the corner and play a little bit of defense when things aren't going your way and that's fine. And other times you may be on offense. But those ebbs and flows is a reason that we need endurance. The other thing is talking about mistakes and rationalizing mistakes and not dealing with them emotionally. Another topic is her ability to deal with the past. How would someone that has been through that, now raising a family with a new partner, deal with that? And it's incredible how she does it, and this whole episode, start to finish, is phenomenal. Before we get going, remember to check out truelocal.ca. High-quality meat, individually packaged, chosen by you, subscription chosen by you. Change the meat any month you want. It's shipped right to your doorstep every month. Or you can make it every two months, every three months. Totally up to you. Cancel. No extra fees to cancel. Give them a shot. 
My discount code, all capital letters, Heroic Minds 25 to get $25 off a regular size box and $10 off a personal size box. So truelocal.ca, high quality meat, locally sourced, shows up at your doorstep whenever you want it. Check them out. Alrighty, here we go. A growing moment to share that story publicly that way. It wasn't an unknown story to those around me, but it wasn't something that I had ever really shared publicly like that before. And I... It was time, time for me to step out for myself and share it. And, right. Yeah. So how long was it after that you actually shared that? Uh, so it actually happened in 1989. Okay. Um, and the reason, and it, again, it wasn't an unknown story to people, but um, my, the, the, my husband at that time is my oldest daughter's biological parent. Mm-hmm. And so the, it was, it was a duty of mine to make sure she was okay first. And then once she was okay and I, I discussed it with her and my other two daughters from my husband now and my husband, um, they were all okay with me sharing the story publicly now. So I could voice what I went through for me, not just me as parent, but me as Angie, me as, as, as an individual, me as a woman, me as a person in relationships. And, so it was just time. It was time for me to to let it go and and to let people know the story. So at the time, a lot of people knew the story because it was in the news and right. it was it was a big deal in my hometown. And but um, for the rest of uh, the people I know and and I didn't really share a lot of it because it was it it helped make it helped make me who I am. I I would not change anything in life. Um, but it just wasn't something that I, it's not just something you just share just because for the right. sake of sharing. So, and uh, I guess, what, I mean, I guess we'll have to, we'll go back to the start in a sec, but I, yeah. what, what intrigues me already is how did that initial conversation go with your daughter to say, you know, when she was born after the fact of, of mm-hmm. that understanding? Yeah. Um, as far as like when she was when she first found out about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So, so the, one of the things that I always knew, um, and, and I, I really love the word that you, the hero, the word hero. I know, I don't think of myself that way, but I always knew I had to be the parent and the person that she trusted. And so I always knew that this was not something that could be hidden from her. I had to reveal things to her as she was able to understand them, as she asked questions. So... There has been a knowing for her since she was a small child um, and a process for her to deal with things and figure out if she wanted to have a relationship with him. Um, My husband now, we've been married 27 years. We've been married for a long time now. But, you know, he stepped in as her dad, as her daddy, as her father. He totally supported the way that I felt best to um, have her be well-rounded in the knowing of what happened. And so the, it's interesting. It's hard to say that if there was ever like an, an impactful moment where she was like, Oh my gosh, this, this happened in your life because she's just always had a knowing and she's kind of let what her relationship with her biological father, she's explored that. And at this point in her life has decided she doesn't want one, but you know, we allowed her to explore that. And there was never any um, kind of smack you in the face moments 
for either of us in in the process. I just always knew I had to be the one that she could trust. And that meant being open and honest with her. And what was that process like for you to let her make that decision at, at, I assume, to be at a young age? It's hard. It was difficult. There were definitely things like he would, um, she would write letters and he, she wrote maybe two or three letters before she was 18, but he would write her letters. And there were definitely some, my husband and I, and me first, I read them all before I let her read them because I needed to know, I, I, as a parent, kind of the privacy issue when it came to that relationship went out the window when he committed a crime. Um, but, um, Oh, I just totally lost my train of thought. Um, but it was, it was kind of interesting to manage, manage my relationship with her, manage my relationship in the whole scope of things. I, we had other children at that time. My husband and I had other children at that time. And I kind of had to play this chess game with her biological father um, so he wouldn't demand visitation with her. So it, it was this it was this really when I look back now, it was this really intricate game and kind of a chess game. But I didn't think of it that way at the time. Is it's just I that's what I knew I had to do at the time. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's inc- inc- speechless, right? Like Again, it's an experience I, I couldn't understand, and that's why I appreciate this this conversation so much. If we go back to the that your emotion, and not the whole story, but the first day when you when you you tell that story, and it's so real and it's written so well. When you're Thanks. sitting down and the and talking to law enforcement, saying you know, asking you questions, what was that to to lay the landscape for people? And then we'll dive into the the psychological side of it after. But I guess just to give people basically how you wrote that, but in in more depth of what was that initial experience like when you were hearing that for the first time? Yeah. So the the actual um, incident happened on July 4th of that year. And he, on July 17th, um, I woke up to uh, police officers pounding out my door. I, and this is after seeing my husband at the time, what I thought, doing what I thought was grieving. And just like not being able to help, not being able to be there, just really having no understanding. I knew this violent crime had taken place and who did it and 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 wondering who did it. And that just, was just kind of a, a whirlwind in itself. But then that morning of July 17th, you know, I had police officers with a search warrant at my front door. I'm seven months pregnant at the time. They're pounding on my door and I'm looking out the window and all I see is men with guns drawn. And I can't like identify who it is from my upstairs window. So I kind of go down to the door and they identify themselves as police officers. So I let them in. They, they um, executed their search warrant and then asked me if I would come down to the station and look at some photos. And so I got there and I was still so confused over what was happening. It, it was almost like my brain, my brain couldn't process why they were there. I, I didn't get it. I didn't understand. But then I went down to the op, to the police station and they showed me some photos of um, the two co-defendants that were in his, in his case, the, the, the guy who actually pulled the trigger and then the guy who drove the getaway car. And they showed me the photos. I didn't recognize them. And then they told me that they had arrested my husband. And I, I was still like, I, 
don't get this. I don't understand. And so I asked if I could talk to him and they allowed me to talk to him. And I just went in there. I'm like, is this, is this true? And he said, yes, it's true. And like at that moment, just something in me broke. So just a kind of a, a helplessness that I don't know I've ever felt before in my life. And I, it's hard to say like how everything over the next couple weeks unfolded. I know that there were um, people coming to my house to to comfort me. There were reporters calling me. There were, but there were also these moments of I call them almost blackout moments. They're almost like black holes in my memory. And I remember such a feeling of feeling like I was getting sucked into a black hole and just everything was crushing. It was so crushing. And the, the anxiety that came along with that, I remember I, I was 20 years old and I, I moved back in with my parents and I, I had to sleep in bed with my mom for about two weeks because I just, I was so overwhelmed with anxiety. I think about it now and I almost feel a little bit of that anxiety as I, I share that. I don't know if I've ever really shared that piece of it, but um, just the, the, the way, um, the way it, it crushed me in a way that I can't even describe except the, the, just the, the absolute crushing of what a black hole would do to matter mm -hmm. is what it did to me. And, mm -hmm. um, but it, the, on the flip side of that, I don't know how many weeks after it was, but I, I was pregnant with my daughter. And um, several weeks after that, I, I took a leave from work because I started having early labor. I, I was off of work for about six weeks. Then I went back to work and realized I had to start slowly. I, I had to, I had to live. I had to, ex I had to at least exist because I had this other life in me. And then the moment where things really changed as far as my decision decision journey was the moment, oh, I'm gonna get a little teary on this too, the moment my daughter cried her first cry. I I was you know at the hospital, my sister came into the delivery room with me and then I knew at that moment I need to divorce this person. I, I hadn't made that decision at that point because it was still just so, I, I almost didn't believe it was true at that point still. But the moment she was born, it's like this new, I brought this new life into the world, but my life had to be new too. And so that's really when the the journey kind of begins. Wow. So it, yeah. If you, if you look back on, on that moment where we, where we just ended there, do you think that for whatever reason, I mean, and I'm sure there's a lot that having your daughter in the equation, even the timing of it all and her coming into being played a role in you, your ability to handle what, what you were still about to deal with, with the divorce and moving on and all that stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I'm a very faith person of faith and I think it was a divine thing that she was she came into being and into existence. It was all part of the greater plan for my life. I understand that. Um, but I do because truly I, at that point in my life, at that point in my confidence level, at that point in my security in myself, I don't know how I would have been able to carry on just for myself and to move forward just for myself. But I had this other person that, okay, I can I can make those moves. I can step forward. I can you know have the courage to walk through this suffering because I have this child, 
And that's who I need to do it for. And for several years, that that was that was my compass. Was that I had this other life that I need to that I am responsible for. Um, I was kind of still in the mode of I didn't think a lot about my own and and growing myself through the process. Although it was happening, it wasn't a conscious thing. It was more about I have this other person who is now a piece of this moment that changed everything um, and will be for the rest of her life. And I have this responsibility to make her life as good as possible in spite of everything and to not let this moment um, in her life define who she is. And so that was really the, the thing that kept me moving forward. I didn't even really think about, can I do this? It was more of, I have to do this. And so it was just kind of putting one foot in front of the other until you know you kind of walk out of that that dark tunnel and you start to see the light wow i the thing i love about that is often when something happens to us or we're, we're in an adverse situation it's often just focus on yourself do what you need to do don't worry about anyone else and there's almost as as the hero's journey which you and i would both understand quite well it, there's you're you're it's you're making it very clear that there's obviously value if you have put someone if you have service to someone else that can actually help pull you along through the struggle which is just to me absolutely incredible to hear yeah it absolutely it it gave a difference even though i couldn't find purpose for what had happened and I, i'll talk about that a little bit later too but even though i couldn't find the purpose for that moment i found purpose for moving forward because of her and uh, because I needed to make a life better for her and I needed to make uh, decisions and relationships that would be an example for her in her life and so it, it and to be the model of what being healthy is and so for you to, going off on that let's go on a tangent on that of, of being healthy how is how has that changed for you in life and this this idea of being healthy and we'll put it in quotation marks yes <laughs> It's, it's kind of, um, it happened in stages and in phases. And for me, it wasn't immediate. It, it, it was a journey, but a journey that I really strived to, um, to, to go on. It probably wasn't about until about 10 years later. It was after I was already remarried. I had made conscious decisions about the type of relationship I wanted to be in, what I would and would not accept in a relationship. Um, and that was a struggle at times, but I, I made, um, I had to step back and make logical decisions about relationships. And one of, I think one of the first things that I did to grow myself and, and become healthy was to understand that there's that saying, the heart loves who it loves, right? I, I am a believer that the heart loves who it thinks it deserves. And so when I, in my first relationship, I didn't feel like I was deserving of something loving and something healthy. I, I kind of, I looked for that person who was broken that I could fix them so that I had value, which is a whole nother story in itself. <laughs> but um, the, the, in the next relationship with my husband now, I consciously and logically looked for something different, something that as crazy as it sounds, put me out of my comfort zone as far as relationships go. And I think that was the beginning of my healing because I was able to find a partner who was willing to walk with me 
through that. And I think that that's part of your journey to recovery and your journey to growth and your journey to be all you can be. You find those people that um, will hold you accountable when you need to be held accountable, but will also praise your wins, who will who want to see you grow, who are okay and confident and secure enough in letting you grow on your own as well as grow with the relationship. So that was kind of the beginning of it, but it wasn't really an, until probably my daughters were, my oldest daughter was probably 13, 14 years old. And we had, I'd been remarried to my husband now and, and we had two other daughters that that time they would have been eight and five. And I ha I realized that, you know, I say, I'll, I talk to my girls about respecting themselves and self-confidence and you can do it, you know, you can do what you set your mind to that kind of thing. But I wasn't really doing that myself. And I had to step back and say, if I'm going to preach this, I better practice it. And so that was when the purposeful growth of myself and the purposeful uh, journey to, to really understanding what happiness is and what fulfillment is began for me as me, as Angie, not, not as mom, not as wife, not as, you know, divorcee or, or any of those titles, but for me as me. And it's kind of blossomed from there. Um, I went back to school. I got my college degree. I ended up graduating college on the same day as my oldest daughter. Did, I saw that. Cool. That is awesome. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, different colleges. So we went to her graduation, but <laughs> but that, that was kind of the thing that I, I knew that I needed to, even though I had worked to be the example in so many ways, I knew that I had to fully be that example and take care of myself so my daughters would know what that looked like for themselves as well. Right, right. That is so cool. In in that process, I have to ask, and you, and you wrote about it a little bit on in the document that I read online, and it talked about there were people that didn't necessarily agree with decisions you were making, but they yeah. were still there to support you. And I wondered if you could dive into that relationship. And I, I love the idea because, we're as you would know too, we're at a time where... If you don't believe in something, it's like, okay, I can't support that person. And I loved that they were supporting you, even though they told they didn't necessarily totally understand your decision process. And I wondered if you yeah. could dive into that. Yeah, so a lot of that was built, well, there were a couple of areas. I, as I said, I'm a, a person of deep faith. And within my faith community, I, I received some judgment. One, early on, because I chose to marry him. Um, I, I'll share, I, I was pregnant before we got married, and so there was some judgment there, but then at the on the other side of it, um, there was judgment because I was choosing to divorce him, just within the context of the church. And I, But I had some friends within my faith that supported me anyways, even though the, the doctrine of my religion <laughs> might have been contrary to that, those that truly loved me and knew me supported me and walked with me through it. And, and many of them stepped back and really understood that, Hey, I don't know what I would do in that solution in that situation. Many said, Oh, I would never divorce for anything, but they're, they weren't in that situation. So they, they, they granted, 
um, I guess they granted grace, <laughs> which I don't necessarily know if it was grace that needed to be granted, but but that's where they are were in their journey. Um, but also it came in the way I dealt with my relationship, my daughter, and how what that looked like and explain how it explaining it to her looks like. And there were people in my life that said, you should just hide this from her. She never needs to know. She never needs to, you know, this is just something you can cut it off like it never existed. And I just knew in my heart and in my head and in my logic that that's not true. I couldn't do that because I couldn't be, as I said before, I needed to be the parent and the, you know, the biological parent that she trusted. And so even though they didn't necessarily agree with the way I was working through it and the way I was managing her knowledge of the relation of him and how that relationship went, they still supported me and understood that it, it really was my call to make. And they trusted and had confidence in my instincts as her mom, as, as, you know, as mom to my other kids and in the context of my family that we had been growing that they supported me even if they didn't understand it wow that's amazing and, the integrity there is amazing i i have to add there were those that didn't and and didn't agree and walked away and i had to accept that as well and i had to be okay with that i had to be i had to not let that weigh on me um and sometimes that's easier said than done but in the end it ended up being a win-win for them mm -hmm. and for me. <laughs> <laughs> right, I, it, for sure. In regards to, um, how do I put this? I guess in regards to um, a perfect, you know, the, the one thing I think my generation t struggles with um, is this, is especially with social media, how now social media has become Hollywood of this ideal that is, I mean, we know with the apps and everything, everyone know, even knows consciously it's fake, yet it still affects everyone. And so I'll, I'll go by the, and, and not even necessarily the relationship side of things, but just this, this ideal future that we have. And I wondered what your opinion is on that in, I, yes, your situation was maybe the relationship side is what we're talking about or focusing on in this, in this whole podcast. But I think in general, this, how do you approach this idea of this fairy tale, this perfect relationship, getting the beautiful house or getting the perfect job, et cetera, et cetera, because you've been through a complete and you graduated with your daughter, which I think is freaking awesome, but <laughs> you've gone on a completely different route. So I wondered what your approach is to, if you told someone that is just so stressed and anxious about this perfect future, this perfect ideal, what would you tell them? What I would tell them is that every single person that's walking this earth has a backstory and you never know what it is and you can't pass judgment on them or think that things are perfect and rosy in their life. There are so many people in my life that had no clue what I had been through because some, depending on how you carry it, how you work with it, how you walk through life after something, there are people who never know. It's contrary to the type of personality I have. It's, it's contrary to the person who I've grown into. But the one thing that it has taught me and that I share with other people is that you can never really make a snap judgment on people because you don't know the road they've walked. You have no idea what their, um, what their relativity is. You have no idea what their history is. You have no idea the battle that they are facing at 
that exact moment that you're interacting with them. Mm-hmm. It, once you know someone's backstory, if you choose, you don't have to like everybody, but you need to accept the fact that it, it doesn't matter what your story is. We're all on this earth and we all um, are of equal value in, in the world. And every single one of our stories is what makes the world turn around. It makes us work and function as a society, be it a good story or a bad story. And what, and what is the main thing that has allowed you to, to be at that point where maybe growing up you had this ideal or, or before the news, before life kind of took a bit of a, a turn there, which you to, you've recently told the story of that day, leading up to that, there might, might have been an ideal in your mind of what life would be like. And, you know, you were married now and, and a child on the way, everything was good. What now allows you to be like, yeah, things took a turn and you know what? That's fine. Like, what is the, the thought today that doesn't allow you to go down that rabbit hole of, oh my gosh, I, I still can't believe that happened? Uh, what I would say is that you never truly rid yourself of it, ever. There's always moments that something creeps back in. But if you are working to make yourself healthy, I don't even want to use the word whole again because I think that's overused. Uh, none of us, I think, are ever completely whole. But if you're working to be that overcomer, to grow yourself, you have to understand that there are going to be moments when it comes back and an anxiety smacks you in the face or a, a, a something happens that reminds you of that moment. But the reality is you have some choices. Um, you, you can flee from it, you know, in the fight or flight. I think there's there's fight, there's flight, and there's freeze. <laughs> you can run away from it and not deal it with it. You can freeze and just kind of stay stuck in that moment and anxiety, or you can fight it and you can move through it. You don't have any way out of it except to walk through whatever fear that is. And if you had this ideal about what life should be, Mm, I I think that's kind of a dangerous road to go down. We all have goals and we all have dreams and we all have these things we want to accomplish. And I think one of the keys to not being derailed from those things is we tend to make a goal or a dream a particular thing. We want to do X or we want to do Y or we want to be Z. These are the things we want. But when life throws you a loop, when life says, no, you're going to take this detour, sometimes the actual point on the map isn't going to be the same, but that goal is still going to be met because you're going to have those things in you that are already fulfilled and already met in that dream. For me, as when I was in, when I was young, I thought, you know, I'm married, I'm going to have this great family and this thing happened. And it just blew it all to heck. Everything went out the window for that time. But, you know, life threw me that curve and that detour and that chaos. But I was still able to find a road to that happiness and that place that I wanted to be. I have my family. I have my great relationship. I'm so proud of my three daughters. And they're all adults and grown and out of the house. Youngest one's graduating college in May. And it's going to be a grandmother in July. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And um, it, But those, those things can still happen. Those That fulfillment can still happen, even if it doesn't look exactly as we pictured it in that Instagram post. I'll use, you know, social media. It, even if it doesn't look exactly like that, 
that dream can still be fulfilled and that you can still achieve that thing um, as long as you don't let go of the end goal and to, at what the heart of the goal is, not the the what the trophy looks like, but what the journey and the feeling looks like. When the way you explained in your in your writing about uh, Plan B, like an option B, mm-hmm. it was it, it it enlightened me in a sense that having just being open to Plan B is Plan B. I think like I, it just came mm-hmm. to me even after hearing you speak right now. It's that plan B doesn't need to be a business model as specific as the the, the journey you're on where you have a plan. Like option mm-hmm. B can just be the openness to be like, if this doesn't work, I'll do something else. Boom. That's plan B. And then when you, yeah. when you have to get to it, then we'll, we'll take care of it. Right. But the pressure of, of being like, well, if this doesn't work, my, my plan B better be just as good kind of thing. And that's just stress inducing, right? It's yeah. You know, I, I have to admit before Everything happened when I was in my early, when I was 20, I was 20 years old when it all happened. I, I lived in, I was a fearful person. I was an anxious person. I was full of anxiety. And then the, the craziest worst thing happened to me that I could imagine. I I still can't imagine that happening again. Um, But on the flip side, on if, if in the timeline of my life, that was a moment where I had to make the choice whether I was going to live the rest of my life as a fearful person, as a person of anxiety. Not that pe- there aren't people who don't is- deal with anxiety issues, but mm. um, some some of it for me was a choice and it was a reaction to things. That was the moment that I decided I don't want to live as a fearful person anymore. And it took me a while to work through that. But at this point in my life, there's there's not a whole lot that causes me a lot of fear. I, I don't fear judgment anymore. I don't fear rejection anymore. I don't fear um, exploring new things and diving into new things. None of this would have come about in my life. None of it had that moment not happened, had that worst moment in life happened. And there have been other moments in life that have been been horrible. I lost a sister six years ago. Um, I had a a miscarriage many years ago. But that worst moment in life at at 20, worst moment in my life at that point, walking through that equipped me to walk through the other difficult moments in life. And so in many ways, I'm grateful for the experience that I received from it. I I don't necessarily want to relive it again, but if I had to relive it again to get where I am now, in a heartbeat, I would. Wow. Wow. I might have to, I I try to share a similar message at schools when I speak. What I might have to do, because that was so well put, is just take an audio note and play it, and I'll just sit there and let you you take it away. (laughs) I'm flattered. Thank you. It goes into the whole... Just the values of of realizing, even when you're amidst this this challenge, like for me, even when something difficult happens now, hearing stories like yours, it's just when you're in the midst of it and you feel that black hole type feeling that you you put into into great words a, a little bit ago. It's almost as if there's peace in that moment now, knowing that I'm developing right now, even though this is terrible, and I feel I'm 
one, there's a, it should be a light at the end of the tunnel. And two, I'm developing. It's hard to think that in the moment, but if you have someone tapping you on the shoulder, reminding you of that, it can really help. I think it's, I think that's such a powerful, powerful message. Yeah. One of the, the things that I live by in tough moments is I tell myself, this is just my now. It's not my forever. And that helps me move through those moments. And I, inevitably it's, it's true. Um, they, they're marked moments in time. And the, the thing that happens is literally a moment. We extend it out with how we feel, how we cope, how we deal with it. And since the, inevitably we have to do that, we might as well take charge of that. At the very beginning, you go through moments where you have no idea, no, no idea how to handle it, no idea what to do. But along with that, at a point becomes the responsibility and the accountability for taking those steps to move through it. There, there comes a point where the only person who can pull you out of it um, is, or the only thing is your choice to pull out of it. Doesn't mean it's easy, doesn't mean it's instantaneous, but we have to make that decision. I, and I like the words that you use in, in your philosophy to decide, you know, decide what we're going to be, decide how we are going to move forward and decide that we're going to become our best selves and not let this thing, not let this moment own us for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's so well put. Like it's almost at a, at certain points in time when, when there's not much there that looks very good, you almost have to a little bit of a, a false optimism to a point and almost, you know, a stretched optimism. Maybe it's for an hour, maybe it's for a day, but just to get you through. Right. And I think yeah. there's, there is a little bit of value in that and in, in being a little bit overconfident every once in a while. Yeah. And it, it's funny. There's, there's a meme that goes around that, you know, she thought she could, so she did. Um, I, I will say I hate that phrase. I hate that phrase because most of the time I am not sure I can do it, but I just do it anyways. And most of the time, you know, I su su succeed. Sometimes I don't. But I think the courage, the, the, the heroic journey is not knowing necessarily, not having it in black and white. Yes, if I do this, I will gain this. But saying yes. Um, you know, this is going to be difficult. I don't know if I can do it, but what do I have to lose if I try? You know, I might as well, you know, I might as well step out and do it and see what I am capable of. And if I don't achieve it, one, maybe it's not the right thing. Two, maybe it is the right thing. I'm not ready. Three, it is the right thing and I'm on the journey and I'm learning something from this. Mm -hmm. And four, you know, you achieve it. So <laughs> it's the idea of Thinking yourself into being, I, I think there's a little bit of, you, you have to be willing to think about the possibilities of who you are, but just thinking you can do it and then doing it, I, I don't think is necessarily a reality. Right, it's, right. A, it's a bigger growth moment and a, a bigger um, experience if you don't necessarily think you can do it, but hey, I'm going to give it a shot because I'm worth investing that in myself. Right. And I, and I think if you, I love that. I think if you really look at other stories of people that have, I'll put in quotations again, been successful, whether that's monetarily, socially, whatever, yeah. is that the way they thought they were going to get there wasn't even the way they got there anyways. Like how many times yeah. do plans not work? Businesses, you know, recitals, anything. It's like, there's always yeah. mistakes and it ends up being incredible and didn't happen the way you planned. So right. it's, uh, 
Yeah, that's so cool. There's more learning in the failure than there is in the success every time. Totally. I had an individual named Jim Moss on the podcast and he, he always, he was a professional athlete. He played lacrosse and he said the problem with teams that win all the time is they get good at winning, but bad at losing. And when it's, then when it's time to lose properly, they can't do it. And that's when those teams, you know, taper off and aren't successful. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And and character is built in those moments that there's struggle, not in the moment that there's ease, but it's in how you deal with the struggles and, I'm, I'm not saying I did everything perfectly. I'm sure I didn't. But, um, you know, understanding that how I walked through the st- struggle was going to say way more about who I am that, than where I actually um, ended up or what other people said about me, that as long as I walked through it with my integrity and my character, um, I was okay with it. I was okay with whatever was on the other side as far as what other people thought, what they um what words they used to describe me. I, I was okay as long as I knew I was walking in my character. And that's something people can't take from you. You you can choose to give that away to other people's opinions or other people's ideals or other people's expectations of yourself, of yourself. But if you choose to walk in it, you'll come out on top regardless of what else is going around, uh, going on around you. That's, so powerful like the the thing that comes to mind as you say that and just building on what you you just said is that if you if you can see it even if it's a mistake we'll use that word because that's an easy word for people to understand is if you make a mistake and you see it as a mistake and kind of i would i mean this is more maybe a hockey term is just wear it like you're gonna wear that mistake it was me i did it i'm ben everyone wants to know who made the mistake it was me then it just becomes it's so rational then it's like okay he, it was a mistake and then it loses its power over you that oh my god i made that mistake i have to hide i can't right now it just becomes such a rational thing instead of an emotional thing yeah um, it, it's kind of funny i was think when i was um, sharing my story um at one point I, I i love that you're a hockey person i'm a hockey fan it's one sport i'll watch awesome <laughs> and what team who's your team I, coyotes are here in in Phoenix. Yeah. Um, well, I was a Dallas Stars fan for a while when we lived in Dallas. <laughs> Went to nice. the playoff games one year. Um, but when I was sharing my story with someone once, I, I shared about um, how when you walk through a struggle, there's a, a time when you need to put up some armor. And when I was thinking of this this metaphor like, or simile, I'm not sure which it would be. <laughs> I was actually thinking of a hockey player, and and the goalie has on all his protective gear and his mask and he defends that goal he is there to say i'm not gonna let i'm not gonna let your stuff get past me and he's equipped and he's geared up and he can move forward somebody doesn't have the same agility as the forwards or anybody else on the team because he has all this gear on um for a long time i had to live life that way And I think in our struggles, it's okay if we live life that way, if we live in defense. For some time, we have to do that. But for me, I lived in defense for too long. And that gear that I was wearing started to become crushing. And it didn't let me grow. And it didn't let me, it didn't let me move forward to the next goal. I couldn't get across that center line. And I had to make the choice to strip off some of that gear and say, okay, you know, I've got the rest of my pad, I've got my thigh pads on, I've got my helmet on, but, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to move, I'm going to progress forward. I'm going to decide to step away from my goal and say, 
um, stop saying, come on, score on me. I also remember seeing that the goalies kind of <laughs> really kind of daring the other team. But, you know, I felt like I did that for a long time, kind of beating my chest and beating my arm and saying, come on, life, throw it at me because I've been through this so I can take it. And I had to strip off some of that armor and move forward. And that's where another piece, I think, of, of a heroic journey begins, is when you make that realization that I've had some time to heal inside, but now it's time to strip off the, the armor so I can move forward. Um, but the, the hockey reference really <laughs> caught me when I saw your story, and I, I kind of identified with you. Uh, from that respect <laughs> oh interesting i like that hey we always welcome hockey metaphors sports for sure but hockey ones even more on this podcast here's an interesting point that you brought up like tell when you had that gear on mm-hmm. and you were saying bring it on bring it on once you've taken that gear off are you still kind of in a in you in a state where you feel you have to prove that you're still strong and you still have to prove to people that you can get through it or is it a different mindset then you know once you've moved from that position of defense all the time, you don't have to keep proving to yourself that you can handle things. It's kind of just walking through life at that point. Yeah, I don't think I um, felt like I had to prove anything to anyone anymore. I think I knew, and and I don't like to use the word strong. Um, I like to use the word I have endurance. Uh, Because we all can be strong in a moment, but to walk through life, you don't need strength. You need endurance. I mean, you need to be able to hold your own in life. But I think the bigger, uh, the, the bigger quality is the endurance. And sometimes that's walking with, you know, with your your goalie gear on. Sometimes it's walking with with just your your hockey stick. It just depends on um, where you're at in life. And for a long time, when I was walking with that armor. I was walking through life going, you know, you can't beat me up. You know, come on, life. I'll, I'll prove to you that you can't get past me. But then when I made that decision to take it off, I kind of knew, okay, I have the skill now. I know that puck's not going to hit me in the mouth. You know, I, I know I, I, I've, got the, I've got the wherewithal to know within me that I'm strong enough to take this journey. And it's not going to be fun. I, I'm sure, you know, even pro hockey players kind of flinch when they see something come out of their face. But you, you kind of learn to deflect. And every once in a while you get hit, and but most of the time you don't. And it's a different confidence and peace in knowing that it's not going to be easy, but it's time for me to play offense. It's time for me to move forward and see what I can accomplish and um, risk potentially getting hurt at some point rather than protecting what's here so it doesn't get hurt again. Mm. And so it, that was kind of the shift in in my thinking was moving from having to defend it and prove to people that I was strong or I was able to deal with it to knowing that I could. And then it didn't really matter what other people thought about me. That's absolutely incredible. <laughs> that is amazing. That is so powerful. And it's it's freeing too. The biggest thing about that, it's freeing. It it lifts a weight off of your spirit and your mind and you know the cap on your happiness. It lifts something off when you decide I I don't need to prove this to anybody anymore. Um, of course you want those around you to accept you and love you and be proud of your accomplishments, but 
the person that needs to really have that belief is yourself. And the person that really needs to take ownership of happiness and defining what it is, is yourself. And the other, what goes on around is nice, but there's a piece when you say, you know, I, I can do this. It's not going to be easy. I might fall. I might stumble, but I'm going to get back up for me, not for anyone else. That's incredible. That is that is like I said at the beginning, I'm so glad I now I've heard the other side of it, but that is your life has just totally been the hero's journey. And that leads me to ask, so what is it now that you're doing today? And do you have any stories even about people that have come up to you and, and shared their story and how you've made an impact and, and what it is that you are doing today? It's funny. I, I, for a long time, I searched for exact purpose in what happened to me. And I haven't encountered who's had anyone who's had exactly the same journey that I have or experienced exactly the same thing. But there's bits and pieces that, that have entered my life. And things like um, you just having the endurance to walk through something difficult. I, I've had people tell me that, you know, they were inspired by what I've been through. And, and I get a lot. I can't believe that was your life. You'd never know that. Part of me, that's wonderful. I don't want to walk around with it like a badge on me. I don't mm-hmm. want and, and to me, that that's awesome. But I, I've had people tell me things like, if I'm a member of a team for something, um, you're a temperature changer. You, you change the temperature of the team. Or, But I think that those are the most rewarding things because I know none of that would come about if it weren't for the walk I walked. Um, I, I, don't, I can't tell you of a specific instant incident, incident where I can say that's why that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and getting caught in finding the purpose for something and being obsessed with finding the purpose for something I saw, I learned also was I was still being held hostage by that thing. So when I kind of let that go and kind of let the purpose unfold, I see it's not exactly related to the incident itself, but it's related to the growth. The purpose was in the growth that has happened and the way it's changed me and the way it's let me step out in the world that I would not have um, had this not happened. So in, in regards to that, how it constrains you a little bit searching for purpose, what would you what would your approach be to someone because that's a big thing again I don't know if it's just my generation but I know a lot of I listen to a lot of public speakers and and when they kind of take jabs at the millennial generation it's it's everyone wants to make an impact is the word and they're kind of being a little bit facetious like what does that mean yeah. like or purpose I want purpose in what I do so that the pressure that that people put on themselves for that what would your to calm them down what would your advice be I'd say that you actually make an impact without knowing it. One person, if you're sitting next to somebody on a plane and you have a conversation with somebody on a plane, you may completely change the outlook of their day. If you inspire one person by sharing your story or you know, walking up and, and giving them just a moment of your time, that has impact. When we get so hyper-focused on that moment that we feel like um, that that we feel is our badge that, that we need to share with the world. When we get so hyper-focused on that, we get hyper-focused and we don't see anything else that's going on around us. 
And impact looks like so many different things. The key is understanding um, or separating truly having an impact to wanting to do something that gets you a pat on the back. Mm-hmm. And I think we get a little bit confused with those two things. We want to make the impact, but we also want confirmation and acknowledgement and affirmation for making that impact. Being okay with making an impact and never having anybody say a word, that's the key to actually letting go of that thing that still has a hold on you. Mm-hmm. For me, that was the key to, wow. <laughs> to letting go of that thing that had hold, a hold on me. When I stepped back and say, said, you know what, this has purpose somewhere, I can't absolutely identify it, someday I'll know, maybe I won't, but I'm going to walk forward in the best way that I can, that released me from, uh, from the moment. It released me from feeling that I had an obligation to do something with this moment. You hear people say you have an obligation to do something with the thing that happened to you. Well, yeah, you have an obligation to move forward and live your best life. What that looks like is going to look different for everybody. Mm-hmm. So don't don't run to Instagram or Snapchat and see that that person that is the the latest guru on whatever because of their story. It doesn't have to look that way for everybody. It can be as simple as impacting one person or sharing your story with one person. This has been absolutely incredible. Is there is there anything else that you? want to add in, into into what we chatted about today or any other messages you wanted to leave? I, I think it would just be that, you know, what you think as a hero or bravery or um, courage isn't necessarily what the world or, or media projects it to be. It's about how you live every day. It's about how you, it's about moving forward in spite of being fearful of something. It's not about never being afraid. It's not about always being certain. It's about taking that step every single day and choosing to move forward and that we have an accountability and a responsibility to live our best lives um, and to be the best person that we can be. It starts with one person and we want to all change the world, but we can't necessarily do that. We can change ourselves. And if we each do that, then it makes those around us, um, it makes the community around us better. That brings us to the end of another Heroic Minds podcast. I encourage you to send me an email. My email is in the description of this episode. Constructive criticism, comments, anything, send them my way. I love continuing the conversation after the episode. I'm Ben Finelli. This is the Heroic Minds Podcast. We'll talk again soon.